especially millennials, they're wanting workspaces that are inviting and inspiring and they impact the way they work and how they feel and their ability to want to work at that company. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the ROI podcast presented by the Kelly School of Business on the IUPUI campus. We are in full summer mode over here at the Kelly School, and it is a gloomy, rainy day today. It has been raining literally all day long here in downtown Indy, so I am glad to be in this booth talking with you all today. Uh, And we have a really special guest who's filling in for my regular co-host, Phil Powell. Today we have my good friend and producer of the ROI podcast, Luke Cooley in the booth with us. Luke, how you doing? Good. Hi, everybody. So tell me, Luke, you know, what are we going to talk about today? Okay, so Phil and I go and travel around Indianapolis and interview these innovative business owners. And we get to see a lot of different work environments. Well, during our last trip, we met Mary Beth Oaks. Thank you for coming to see us today. Mary Beth is the CEO of Business Furniture on the northwest side of Indianapolis. And Mary Beth is all about space. Space. Space, the final frontier. So are we talking about like space in a building? Or are we talking about, you know, the moon, the Mars, stars, Star Wars? What kind of space are we talking about here? You had it right the first time. Not like outer space, but space. So Mary Beth and her team at Business Furniture focus on workspaces and the layout of a company's physical space. And it all starts with finding your company's goals. And I always say it has to start with that research piece. It's really critical. It's hard to understand what product applications to provide if you don't understand what the needs of the company would be or what their goals are. What's the vision? What is your vision for your culture? Where are you today with your culture? Where do you want your culture to be in the future? And let's then think about how your space can be a lever that you can pull to improve productivity, to improve satisfaction, to improve engagement, to help you to attract the best talent. So it starts with that research. The research drives those product furniture applications, and then we can decide how to support the the actual employees with that change management. So she's like a workspace consultant. Kind of, but before we get too deep into this, you've got to understand its importance. Check this out. According to the research, the physical workspace at a company can impact employees' happiness, productivity, and ultimately increase the company's revenue. It comes down to great business, really being strategic about your space, because most, if you think about most businesses, what are your two largest costs, right? Your people and your operating costs. So we know that if we take an average of all the clients that we've worked with, you see an increase in employee satisfaction anywhere from 20 to 60%. And so what that does, that translates into employee retention. Because we know that one of the biggest costs that companies have, right, is, is, is making sure you can attract the best talent, retain the best talent. And when you can retain the best talent, you spend less time, less money on training new employees. So when you walk inside Business Furniture's giant facility, you get a taste for the different workplace styles. Okay, so you get there, and it looks like you're walking into some sort of cafe. There. Side note here for all of you listeners, I just had a hard time envisioning what this would look like and exactly what business furniture does. So I had to check this out for myself, so I drove up to the northwest side of the city, and I took a tour of business furniture. Okay, this is not at all what I had actually expected here. Walk into the door, I see what looks like a coffee shop, and Piano Man by Billy Joel is playing over the intercom. This is 
wow, this is wild. So Mary Beth gave me the tour, and one thing I noticed right away was everyone was working on their laptops and computers, but they had the freedom to be wherever they felt like. So there weren't any assigned desks that they had to stay. I mean, you'd see some people meeting as a group in a private room, and then you'd see another person sitting at a table near a giant window just working away. And then there was this. So this was co-developed with the Mayo Clinic, so it's very safe. It was designed just to give everybody some additional movement in the day. You found the treadmill desk, didn't you? Oh, did I. So when Mary Beth was talking about the treadmill desk, what surprised me was how it can actually save a company money. Well, we know that basically the human spine, you know, the spine was not meant to be in a seated position all day. So the damage that you start to find is, is in the neck, in the shoulder, in the lower back. So what really that can translate into is health claims against, you know, when people have aches and pains and uh, they file work and workers' compensation claims. So it's just a way to incorporate well-being so people can hopefully feel as good when they leave the office at the end of the day as they did when they came in. So this all sounds nice and neat, but before a company just starts putting random treadmill desks or opening up their workspaces, you've got to understand what you're wanting to accomplish. And of course, what your company's biggest obstacle or struggle is. I think they're struggling with, I think they start to think about it's a very competitive workforce right now. So how are they going to attract the best talent? How are they going to retain the employees that they already have? And then you get into a conversation around space optimization. And most companies, if they start to really evaluate how their space is performing, probably 40 to 50% of the time, they have spaces that are empty most of the day, not being fully utilized. And you might wonder, how does that happen? And how that really happens is that individual work has transformed into more collaborative work. That doesn't mean that you still don't need a space for individual work. It just means that most employees work in more of a balance of individual and collaborative work. But traditional work environments really are more focused on individual work because that's how work was done in the past. So now the workplace is becoming much more collaborative so that's why some of those spaces are sitting empty. Those workstations are empty because employees are in meetings, they're engaging with other employees, they're engaging with their clients. So the whole, the whole impetus is, is really trying to understand what does your space need to do for your business to make it successful. To think about your space underperforming in that way, especially as a business owner or a business leader, it's, it's really it's overwhelming when you think about that. But what happens when that traditional work environment with a traditional workforce of baby boomers and Gen X clashes with this new, more liberal work environment made up of millennials and Gen Zs? I think it's definitely challenging because I think if you're a Gen Xer, you've probably worked 25 years to get that corner office, that private office. And really that paradigm is shifting to assigning space based on the kind of work that you do, not on your title or your position. Because what we're finding is that those private offices really do provide privacy for those leaders. But what we're finding is that most employees in an organization can benefit from some level of privacy. And I think we, we used to think that if you had tall panels or tall cubicles surrounding you, that you had privacy. You had visual privacy, but not acoustical privacy. Yeah, I think of the movie Office Space when I think of that type of work layout. He said, I, I don't care if they lay me off either, because I told, I told Bill that if they move my desk one more time, then, then, I, then I'm quitting. I'm going to quit. Exactly. But more and more firms are moving away from that because of those negative thoughts that people have. 
but also because of the research showing us that's not the type of work environment that most people strive in. But while we're seeing more of these open layouts, Mary Beth says there's still a need for some of that privacy. So we're finding that every employee has a need for that level of privacy. So the key is not just to create an open office with no places to go for privacy. You have to have, to be successful in these types of work arrangements, you have to have places where people can still go. So usually managers, leaders, they're a little bit nervous at first. Yeah, uh, well, I'm just not sure about that right now. But then when they move into the space and they see that they're going to have a place to go when they need privacy or when they need focus time, then they feel better. And what I have learned from managers is that they feel like now their calendar is freeing up from lots of previously scheduled meetings because they have better access to their team members. So maybe a leader is working in the social hub for the morning and their employees come and ask them questions whether than, rather than waiting for two weeks to get on that leader's calendar. So they're, they're able to have quicker face-to-face -face meetings and solve problems more quickly, make decisions more quickly, be more productive while still having spaces when they do need that time for focus and privacy. The other thing we're finding, people really do appreciate that choice and control. So Gallup has done lots of studies around engagement, and one of the number one drivers that would indicate if somebody is engaged or disengaged is their ability to have choice and control in how they work. And for those organizations who want to make a change, who want to make an investment into their workspace layouts, where do you start? Take something like your break room. You could even take a break room and make that more of a social hub. Maybe you just switch out some of the furniture. Maybe you keep the furniture that you have, but you just create a workplace agreement that you're going to, employees are, it's okay if they work from that space and make sure they have, you know, the ability that their manager understands that they can work from that space and not think that they're just on a coffee break all day. So there's some things you can do from a behavioral perspective to encourage different ways of working. But, but ultimately, you have to start making some shifts in your space and your behaviors. Well, nice stuff there, Luke. So really, there's four big takeaways that I got from this and I think that our, our listeners can really value from. First, as a worker, get more done during the day with these innovative workspaces. And second, you can move into smaller space than before, which saves some fixed expenses for the company. Third, turnover rate goes down, which obviously is another expense. And then finally, you're driving creativity when you have these collaborative environments. And I think that's a lot of what you're seeing in Silicon Valley and all of these different areas is they are implementing these type of things and, and they're seeing the benefits from it. Right, and when you add all those benefits together, you're talking about some big cost savings in the long run. Exactly, and if you're a firm, you're you know, a manager, who doesn't want cost savings at the end of the day? And that's gonna do it for this episode of the ROI Podcast. We'd like to give a shout out to Mary Beth Oaks from Business Furniture who was kind enough to share her knowledge, expertise, and allow us to come in to Business Furniture and take the tour. It was really a lot of fun. And don't forget, all you listeners out there, that you can subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, and you can download our podcasts, well, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time. <laughs>